I think that the response is a, you know, I think it's a natural response for a lot of people. You know, I don't think people like to see anyone gang, ganged up on, regardless of what the situation is. They don't like to see people taken advantage of, regardless of what the situation is. And especially when someone is just kind of doing their job. Welcome in, kiddos. It's another fantastic week of your favorite political podcast, Alabama Politics This Week, with Josh Moon and David Person. How are you, David? Man, I'm feeling good today. Sun is out. We survived the storms. Yeah, that was Uh, was kind of rough uh, this this morning. Yeah, Um, and and just even earlier this week, man, I actually had, uh, first time this has ever happened, I actually had a huge limb that fell across my driveway, and I had to drag that sucker out nice. just to get out. Oh, it's, yeah. It's yeah, crazy, man. Yeah, that's a, you know, well, luckily I'm in one of these uh, new uh, cookie cutter neighborhoods where we don't have any trees yet. So, ah. <laughs> you know, so it really helps. Although, uh, one of the storms earlier this uh, this summer, uh, our umbrella from, you know, by, by the pool uh, did uh, did fly up and land on our roof. So, uh, oh. uh, so yeah, it's nice. Uh, I, I, but I found that umbrella. I, I've, I don't know what the deal is. I've got that thing, you know, screwed in. I think I feel like it's secured, but then it just you know, the wind gets up, and I found it in the pool. Found it on top of the house. It's dang, a little crazy, but anyway, so yeah, we're uh, we're we're all sunshiny for now. Um, I'm assuming at some point it's going to rain. I don't I don't know when we move to the Amazon, but apparently we have. Uh, it yeah. just rains every day now. Uh, yeah. uh, I've drained the swimming pool out here by about three times a week at this point to try to get the water levels back down, killing me on. Uh, you know, trying to keep this thing at the right uh, with the right chemicals and stuff in. But yeah. anyways, that's a first world problem. You, you um, don't have a pool you know. boy. Nah, yeah, yes, me. I am the pool boy. Yeah. <laughs> You're the pool boy. <laughs> yeah, I am the pool boy. Yeah, I just run around and clean the pool. That's why that's what I do pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's uh, all right. So, did anything of national significance occur in the state of Alabama over the course of hmm. the last several days since we've joined? You know, anything that would generate thousands of memes and lots of interest, you know, that whole thing is so it just hits on so many different levels. It's kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. The the Montgomery brawl, right? Right. The Montgomery Riverfront brawl. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I've noticed, <clears throat> if you look at memes and posts that are generated in the black community. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed is people are treating the chair as though it's a sacred thing. I <laughs> uh, put it in the museum and everything. Yeah, it's right, nice. right, right. You know, and 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 while I chuckle with that, I got to be honest with you, Josh. And I know I'm probably going to be in the minority on this, but while I chuckle at that, a part of it is a little bit disheartening to me, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Um, while I don't, and let me be clear, I don't object to people coming to the defense of other people. I'm all for that. I'm all in on that. Sure. Okay. But I don't like the idea that, that we are sort of reveling in the, the violent response, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, come to the defense of people. If you got to throw hands to defend somebody, I'm all for it. I'm with it. I'll be right there with you throwing hands. But I don't think we should 
But, I, but what I don't like is, is this idea that we sort of trivialize and make light of the fact that violence was necessary. And I think we should treat violence as a very serious last resort. You know, it's, it's, yeah. in, it's inevitable, right? It's yes. inevitable. Violence in life is inevitable. You know, I'm, I'm, a peace, I'm a peace-loving person, but I'm not naive. So mm-hmm. I get it. We're going to have to throw mm-hmm. hands sometimes. <laughs> but but let's but let's not revel in it. Let's not make light of it. That's where that's where I stand. Well, I understand that. I understand that too. Um, and and I, I, I all right. So I want to yeah. Cause I, and I really want. I, I was really interested in in your thoughts of the whole thing uh, about it. And um, uh, because I tell you, I to me, I was okay with the chair up until the point that he hit the lady on the ground. All right. And, mm-hmm. you know, cause she was uh, to me and it's not just that, you know, she's a woman or whatever. I mean, she had gotten herself involved in this fight. She had been involved in it for a while. OK, if you look at the other videos. She had gotten herself mixed up into this and she was a part of this thing for a while. Uh, so it's not just that. It's that she was sitting on the ground. She wasn't really paying attention. She wasn't really at that point involved or a danger to anybody. And it just was such a cheap shot to me that uh, mm-hmm. that's that's the problem that I have. And and really, I feel like that he probably would have been OK had he not hit that woman. He would have probably walked away from that fight without handcuffs or whatever. Uh, and now I'm assuming he's also going to be arrested because, you know, they mentioned him uh, pretty prominently during the press conference. And so, right. um, you know, but, you know, before that. I mean, him swinging away like Stone Cold in the ring was cool. I mean, you know, he was hitting people that were involved in the fight. You know, mm-hmm. they had gotten uh, into this into this fight. And it looked like to me what they were doing was trying to prevent those people from going down and getting involved in the in the bigger fight at the at the other end uh, that was taking place. Um, you know, I there were there were some things that took place. I, I I'll tell you as. What 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 would bother me or what does bother me as as a white person, okay, is the amount of of joy and pleasure that seemed to be taken by all of the people around, all the, the onlookers uh and stuff around in in watching, you know, the these these things got this go down. The, the folks get hit in the head. The people, you know, get them. Yeah, get them. Get them. Tie, tie, here, yeah, hit her. Hit her too. Yeah, get her too. Throw her in the water. You know, it would, it bothers me. Not that I think that that's unfair, but it bothers me because, you know, to think that, you know, I, I, I you know, I, it wouldn't have been me because I wouldn't have acted like an asshole in the dock, but, the fact that there is there is that feeling just automatically between uh you know a group of black people and watching these white people get beat they they wanted them to get hit you know and so what have you know what have we done or what are we currently doing to foster such feelings you know and what could we do to make this better it would are are my feelings about it you know i'm like i I was just sitting there thinking like jesus christ they're so angry at white people you know and and it and they didn't know them necessarily and they didn't know some of the people were were kind of you know uh, involved just very minimally and but they were still you know they were still very encouraging to the to the people that were beating on those folks as well and and it was just like you know what 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 have we been doing that well, we have sparked such outrage among the, you know so many people. Well, I you know my take on it is that 
this was not about white people per se. Mm-hmm. It was more about the the hubris of okay, so many of us in the black community, I think rightly believe that the vast majority of white people um enjoy uh a a pronounced sense of entitlement due to their skin color Certainly. right yes yes uh history i think bears this out present reality bears this out mm-hmm. i know that there are people on fox news and other places that try to say there's no that there's no such thing as white supremacy or or white entitlement but you know that's a bunch of bull and anybody that knows anything about history and current events knows that of course it is. so and 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 like chris rock famously said uh well then trade places with me i'm black right. and i'm rich so trade places with me would you do it and i guarantee you none of those jerks on fox would say oh yeah i'll be glad to be you chris rock for a day i guarantee mm-hmm. you that but having said that <clears throat> i think what people were angry about was the sense of entitlement that led to violence because it absolutely is a familiar refrain to us right. as black people that, that, that white people generally, and I'm not talking about individual white people, I'm talking about white people as a collective, as a, as a society of people. Right, sure. They, you feel a sense of entitlement as it relates to being violent to black people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it is expected and has been expected, I think, that, um, you know, black people are supposed to be compliant, forgiving, accepting, mm-hmm. uh, compromising when it comes to things that happen to us. Case right. in point, people loved on, loved on the families of those, uh, those survivors of the massacre uh, in South Carolina in that church. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they loved on them. Why? Because almost all of them said quickly, without hesitation, we forgive this kid for shooting and killing our relatives. Right. People lauded that. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have lauded it. But I am saying that I think we are predisposed, America, especially white America, has been predisposed to seeing that out of, out of black people in response to white mm-hmm. violence. And I think what we're seeing now is a clear indication, as I've said on this show before, it's a new freaking day, baby. People are not <laughs> all down with that. You know, now we can say, well, maybe they should be or why aren't they and shouldn't they be and whatever. Okay, fine. But the reality is they ain't down with it. And so Mm -hmm. what you saw and what I think you're what you were responding to, Josh, is the reality that these people are saying this guy was just trying to do his job. Mm -hmm. And you all were wrong in the first place. And your response is to physically attack this one guy and to gang up on this one guy for doing his job to correct your wrong? Yeah. Oh, hell no. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah, you, you know, and I Right, well, yes. And, I, you know, I just think that uh, there was also, you know, uh, an underlying sense of um, eagerness 
you know, for, for this ass kicking to take mm-hmm. place, you know, and um, and I think that's kind of what, you know, to what I was talking about. I think because you're right um, um, about everything you said, uh, and I agree with it. Uh, but I also think that there's this, you know, there's this eagerness there. Um, and it makes me, you know, it honestly makes me want to, you know, kind of figure out what ways we could be a, a lot better. Uh, here to make sure that those, I mean, because those, listen, you can say whatever you want as, you know, entitled white people can you know, often do. And, you know, and well, it's just an angry black people, you know, or whatever. Uh, you're, they're angry at my ancestors or, you know, what, whatever in the hell they, they say and excuses they have. But feelings don't come about just out of the blue, you know, the, the uh, especially right. such a, uh, a collective feeling amongst so many people, you know, those, those things don't just happen you know, like that. Something has occurred that has sparked this within uh, this large group of people. And, you know, I, I think it's something that if you actually cared about others that you would want to try to alleviate, you know, that you would want to try to say, wait a minute, you know, I, I understand, you know, what, what, what's kind of going on here a little bit, but what could we do to make this better that we could, as we go forward, you know, what could we do to make it to where the, the hostility isn't quite as large as it is where this, uh, you know, we have people just cheering, uh, right. <laughs> us getting our ass kicked, right. you know, and, uh, uh, because it's, uh, that's what took place. I mean, you know, the violence against those guys, the, the actors, I think you're a hundred percent right. They, it, it was, I'll tell you, you know what, what displayed to me the, the greatest amount of ego was, was them sitting there and waiting on the Harriet 2 to dock. And never once pushing off. All they had to do was push off 10 feet from that dock mm-hmm. in the pontoon boat that they were in, you know. All they had to do was push off 10 feet from the dock, and all that was avoidable, mm-hmm. all of it. But it never crossed their mind to do that. It never crossed their mind to to get out of the way and to say, hey, you know, we might have some problems here because, you know, they thought that they weren't going to have problems or they felt like that uh, the police were going to save them. Um, but, you know, it just it, it was it was such an ugly, ugly incident for the most part, you know, and um you know, and, I, and we're going to have Stephen Reed on, Mayor Montgomery, in just a few minutes, and and he's going to talk about this. And you know, I I, I know people are are kind of celebrating it uh, to an extent, but I wonder what the overall viewpoint of Americans are about Montgomery at this point. Yeah, that's a great question, you know? and I and I would imagine that um, it's probably not. <clears throat> you know, America. And I don't condone this at all, by the way, what I'm about to say. But I think Americans, especially those from the North and the West, you know, they look at it and they resort to stereotypes, you know. And I think they would probably resort to the same thing. And interestingly enough, when Alabama is stereotyped, you know who the stereotype really points at? White men. White men. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. they call they talk yeah. about rednecks. You know, a term that I don't use. They talk yep. about rednecks and bubbas and rubes and whatever else they say. And and I think um, <clears throat> that's probably how a lot of people see this, especially since in this particular instance, it was the white people who were wrong. You know, it was it was they were the mm-hmm. ones who all they had to do was show some basic like you just said some common sense and consideration. And, and they didn't do yeah, that. Just a little decent. And then, because 
Mm. You know, somebody tried to correct what they had done. They decided to beat up that person. Mm -hmm. And of course, it becomes racialized because the guy that corrected it was black. And of course, many of us assume, and and I'm going to say I'm in this camp as well, that had it been a white employee who had tried to move those those pontoon mm-hmm. boats, they probably would not have responded quite that way. Now, there probably would have been some yelling and some finger pointing, some cussing. You know, there may have been a little pushing and shoving. But I can't imagine that they would have actually, you know, a uniformed, and that guy appeared to me to be wearing a uniform. Maybe I'm wrong. But he appeared to be wearing a uniform. Yeah. I, they yeah, yeah, would have yeah. attacked a uniformed employee for doing his job. I just don't believe mm-hmm. that if he had been white, they would have done that. Yeah, I am. I, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, they I, they did take a swing in the middle of that at the 16 year old white kid that was down there helping him. Uh, you know, at one point, but I think that was after the fact. But but I think you're right. I, I don't. I mean, it was so. It was so weird, you know, really. I mean, it was it was so hostile and so weird from the beginning, you know, and, uh, you know, and it was so, you know, the other thing that strikes you is it's so stupid. Move the fucking boat, man. What are you doing? Just yeah. move the damn boat. What? I mean, this, I don't, well, we don't have the keys. Shut up. You don't need a key to move a boat on the river. You know how many times I've moved boats on the river? And, and so, I mean, you can move a boat in a matter of seconds. And, yeah. and that's the other thing about it is, you know, I've spent most of my life on, on the rivers around here. Uh, and, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and met people and done things. And, uh, you know, most of those folks are so nice and so considerate and they want to do the right thing and they want to be thought of in the right way. And, you know, you got the stupid boat wave. I mean, if you're familiar with that, I mean, I I can't tell you how tired I get at waving at people when I'm out on a boat. Some, you know, uh, you know what I mean? And it's just, and so to have these people act in this way was just so, I mean, to, to, you know, the, and the captain of the, of the riverboat, the Harriet, had, you know, has given interviews and talked about how, you know, they, they, he got on the PA and, uh, and they've had trouble with him before. And five times, you know, and, right? Yeah. Five times he tried to, he tried to contact them and they, you know, they just gave him obscene gestures and, you know, and cursed at him. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and it just, it's so stupid. You know, yeah, honestly, they should have taken an ass whipping just for being that dumb. And yeah. it just, you know, it, and it was so, uh, it was so out of character for folks kind of on the river. If you've ever spent that much time around there, I mean, most folks are very cordial and will move things out of your way and help you and do, do all sorts of different stuff. I, it just was such a stupid incident from the very beginning. And, and so I think that all kind of leads back to what you said, you know, it, it's, I don't think they would have reacted that way with other white people. I mean, I think there was something underlying that there that, that caused them to behave in such a manner uh, towards that one particular individual, yep. um, you know, I, I just I, I don't I don't see any other reason for it. But you know, it it just yeah, I, honestly, it was a pretty good culmination of events in Montgomery. I mean, because just a, the the day earlier, you had the the you know twice impeached, seventy time indicted felon uh, in there, yeah. Speaking it up, and you know, in front of twenty seven hundred people and a the big crowd. That's right. Uh, you know, cheering him on and talking about widening I sixty five all the way down in his first day in office. I, I assume when he said in office, he meant it's some sort of uh, position he's going to hold within the prison. 
Uh, but I mean, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, that, that, it's a great juxtaposition, though, isn't it? To, it to is. watch them cheer on this obvious fraud. This guy who flew his own 747 with his name on the side to his arraignment, got back in it and flew himself back to his uh, massive estate in Florida and to watch these people give him money for mm-hmm. his legal defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it is the it, the Republican Party has turned into such a group of sheep. I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, it's really a cult. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I said, um, I said in another uh, gathering that I, you know, I really see this as a satanic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say that I use that word because um, I, you know, the, you know, I'm going to get religious here for a minute as the as the unofficial chaplain of the Alabama Politics This Week podcast. Just barely um, beat me out for that. Just barely beat me out for that. <laughs> uh, you know, the Bible talks about Satan being the father of lies. And mm-hmm. I cannot imagine anybody who epitomizes that more in modern American culture than Donald Trump. And yeah. that's why I say that it's satanic. I really believe that he has he has so immersed himself in a pattern of lies and deceptions and obfuscations that it has created a cult around him mm-hmm. and um and people are just they are they're drinking it up man it's it's like um it's a really scary thing to watch we've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes no. at least in american politics and i don't remember ever hearing about anything like this in American politics in the past. I, I don't either. Um, and it is, I mean, it, it's a, it's a true con man, uh, sort of a job that he's doing. Um, and I thank God that really, that he's not a little bit smarter than he is. Um, mm-hmm. because I do think he could be, um, yeah. And people all the time go to this, but I, I do think he could be a Hitler type person. Oh, without uh, question. You know, uh, question, but but he's yeah. not smart enough. He's not smart enough to do it. You know, he was he was on the verge. He was on the verge. Those January 6th stuff that, that we've seen come out now since Jack Smith has started this investigation. And, and you look at all the things that occurred behind the scenes. Had he been just a tad bit smarter and surrounded himself with just a few people who were just a bit smarter, I think that we could be in a real situation right now where it was, you know, almost Hitler like or, or or what one of these coups that have taken place in, in the, the countries that we, you know, we want to go and save oh, no. sometimes yeah. um, uh, because he was he was he was damn close mm-hmm. he you know he he pushed this he knew exactly what he was doing uh, he pushed this this thing uh, but he just wasn't quite uh, smart enough or brave enough I think uh, you know had he gone to the Capitol himself uh, I think there there could have been a, some pictures there that would have uh, inspired some more people to do some crazier things mm. um, and I, I just um, I don't know man um, yeah, I think you're right. He's uh, he's definitely a you know a carnival barker kind of con man, uh, and he's very very good at it because he has this boldness about his lies in which he has. I mean, it's just like the lie of when he went to D.C. for this arraignment, talking about how uh, these the the city has deteriorated, and he named off these different uh, places that have you know just didn't look very good, or he saw trash or whatever. He didn't even go that way. 
You know, he didn't. Mm-hmm. It's what somebody's like. He, the 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 procession did not even go the way that he's talking about. The, mm-hmm. you know, he he couldn't have even seen these things. And it's just you know the ease with which mm-hmm. he lies, just so casually about shit that you could check out all the time. And he lies about yeah. it, and just almost dares people to to try to to you know. And it's just, I, it's so dumb. And it, and these people follow along. And it's like if Biden had said that about you know DC or some other, if he'd come to Alabama and talked about what a shithole you know Coleman was, you right. know, uh, and and so and and it, somebody had found out he didn't take the route to see these things. Oh my God, it would be a story on Fox News for uh, you know two weeks, you know, and we would be having long think pieces in the Atlantic about Biden's sen- <laughs> uh, whether or not he's he's got some sort of derangement syndrome or you know does he really hate white people? Uh, and you know, and it would just be this whole, all. But it's just Trump being Trump, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just how they write. Oh, you know, it's just, yeah, he's got some flaws, but he's all right. And what he is is he get the way Trump acts gives these people an excuse to act the way that they want to act. That's all it is. Well, it's he, an excuse to act that. Way. And he desensitized us, Josh. I mean he he came in, you know, he came in with the lies. Well, it started even before. You know, actually, he even officially ran for president with the whole birth certificate lie. Yep. You know, and he just he steadily desensitized the country to the point where you just go, well, there he goes again. Instead of being, you know, our ability to be shocked has just yeah. sort of disappeared. Yep. You yeah. know, it's and, I mean, it's just he lies so much. It's almost it, it was always what always struck me was is. He lies so much that you can't fact check all the lies. Mm. And if you do fact check all the lies, it almost seems like you're being petty by fact checking all the lies, mm-hmm. you know. But I tell you what, let's uh, let's do this. Uh, let's let's um, slide out. Let's get uh, uh, Mayor Stephen Reed in here and we'll talk about uh, what went down uh, at the at the riverfront this weekend. All right. And um, and see, see where the city is and where they go from here. We'll be right back. Alabama politics this week. If y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Uh, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, doesn't don't, like that. Don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty, welcome back. Alabama politics this week, Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now, as always, to have with us the uh, mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, Stephen Reed, with us. And uh, listen, I know it's been a quiet few days, uh, and so we thought we would catch <laughs> yeah, you at a downtime. So in between uh, in between media interviews, nice enough to to join us on here. We really appreciate it. Uh, I guess what. Where do things kind of stand right now with this investigation, with the, with what happened at the riverfront, and and how is the city doing overall? 
Yeah, no, th- thanks, first of all, for the invitation. I uh, really appreciate that and for the opportunity to talk to you and uh, all y'all's listeners. You know, right now, uh, the investigation is is continuing to move along. Um, we had two more of the uh, uh, individuals identified in the video turned themselves in yesterday, so that, that's now up to three. Uh, we're waiting on uh, one more uh, that we expect to turn himself in, I think, per his attorney, uh, by tomorrow. Um, and there are more witness testimony that's coming out that's leading us to uh, have some some follow-up action there. I, I would expect there to be more warrants issued um, in this in, in probably the next 24 hours or so. And uh, I think we, you know, let this um, video, the witness testimony that we're getting, uh, lead us wherever it's going to go. And that's kind of our, our approach to it. Okay. Well, uh, overall, how do you feel about the the response uh, to this thing? I mean, I think it's been kind of mixed uh, around, but I, I would, oddly, it's it's mostly been... I don't want to say positive, but I, there's been a certain amount of glee, I think, that people have taken uh, in this with the various memes and jokes and things that you've seen go around. Uh, and I guess, you know, how how do you feel about the response that you've seen from folks? Yeah, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm way behind everybody uh, on, on uh, the uh, responses and kind of what's been out there, social media, as I've kind of gathered a little bit more since our press conference that we had just to kind of give everybody the the first update. I've been able to kind of start get to get caught up a little bit. I think that the response is a, you know, I think it's a natural response from a lot of people. You know, I don't think people like to see anyone gang, ganged up on regardless of what the situation is. They don't like to see people taken advantage of regardless of what the situation is, and especially when someone is just kind of doing their job. Uh, that can be somebody at, at the, you know, the restaurant, whether it's the waitress or the, the hostess, uh, it can be someone that's driving the bus. People don't like to see you the hardworking uh, folks, you know, get uh, attacked for doing something that, that's certainly within their job to do. And I think, you know, the other thing that adds to it is I think there's a, a little bit of a sense of, of irony that you know, on one end, you have a group that that jumps on a guy and then, well, they're, you know, attacking him. But then when the odds get even, you know, the situation mm. changes. And I right. think that there's a uh, there's a, me- a lot of metaphors there, um, you know, for that. And I think that's kind of what has driven some of the response that I've been able to catch up on. And I certainly understand, you know, the, the dynamic around race uh, and what that, you know, how that plays a role in this. I, get that 100 um, percent. That's why I try to tell people, hey, you know, the folks who attack um, the co-captain, you know, not from Montgomery. I don't think that's emblematic of the city. I think that's isolated, maybe emblematic of who they are, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's emblematic of the city, even though the city has its own struggles, uh, as it always has um, around race and class and things of that nature. Well, I guess with the uh, the visual, it's pretty the optics of the situation, Mayor. It's pretty hard not to see it, uh, it, it to some degree in racial terms, even though I think you're right that fundamentally it really isn't about race. It's really about, you know, people seeing uh, someone attacked unfairly for just trying to do his job. 
But uh, but having said that, um, has law enforcement uh, so far in their investigation of this situation, have they found any clues or indications that race was an exacerbating factor? Not at this point. And, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say that because this is a fluid situation. And again, I saw last night on CNN and uh, Chief Albert and I will, will talk here just a little bit um, that one witness did say racial epithets or racial slurs were used, um, you know, that they heard that. So from my standpoint, it's important to say not right now, but if, as you have more evidence presented and more witness testimony come forward, that can change. And certainly, uh, if we're able to corroborate that, then we will uh, speak with the DA and others, uh, as well as the FBI, about, you know, does this change their position? Because we're really taking their lead uh, as it relates to what the charges, you know, can be. Um, but as we get, you know, that information, that can change. And look, I, I think, you know, looking at it, if, if it doesn't meet the legal definition of, of of a hate crime, one would say that it meets the, the moral definition, right? Uh, and I get that, uh, totally get it. And uh, from from my standpoint, um, I wouldn't argue that, you know, for those who view it that way, we just have to make sure uh, in the moment that we don't allow emotions to overtake logic in terms of how we go about, um, you know, taking this case as we would any other case that, that would happen around the city. I have another question for you, Mayor. Um, in light of how this situation unfolded, do you believe that there may be a need for the city to institute some new laws or policies as it relates to how that area is policed and governed? You know, I I don't know uh, if we would if we have to do that. We got a river district down there, though. I mean, they're active on that riverfront. I had just left the riverfront maybe an hour before uh, before that. It was a back to school event that the, uh, our schools were having, our public schools were having there. Great family, you know, friendly event. This is you know not connected to that event. This was something totally different. People go out on the river quite a bit, and we're investing you know tens of millions of dollars into um, you know, the river wall itself. So we want to see that continue. Um, we are always looking to use, you know, any best practices to make the city safer. And in particular, in entertainment areas where large crowds gather these days, it can be stadiums, uh, you know, arenas and, and other spaces like that. But, you know, from, from my standpoint, um, probably other than you know, making sure there's more signage, making sure there's, there's better camera coverage. We've got cameras out there, but probably not from the view uh, that would have shown us what social media did. And, you know, just, again, trying to make sure that people, voters, uh, understand that, you know, this isn't, this isn't late, Martin. Uh, this isn't, you know, uh, you don't have your own space, docking space here like you may have there. It's a public dock, and, and the riverboat, you know, has to be able to, dock there for passengers. One of the things I keep trying to make clear is, you know, people, they were doing that for 40 minutes. So, you know, you're holding up people and their schedules who got on the boat thinking they're going to get on and get off. 
And so there's a lot of selfishness in that. And again, I think that kind of led to um, the words being exchanged and then the, the actions that the perpetrators took. So I, I think for us, it, it is a learning experience. And it's one, again, I think that um, we want to make sure those that are in the city, those that are visiting the city, know it's a safe place to come 99.99% of the time. And this is one of those outliers of things that happen. Right. And you and you really went right to what was going to be my my final question. Uh my 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 real final question. <laughs> As I think I said that that last <laughs> one was my final question. Um the uh the reputation of Montgomery, uh, I wonder to what degree it has taken a hit. Um do, do you do you, have you been able to get a sense of that or yeah, I have not, you know, been able to get sense of, a sense of it, you know, as I kind of got uh, caught up a little bit on, again, some of the outside uh, viewpoints of, of what took place. In, in my initial view, I would say Montgomery got uh, some street cred uh, that, that maybe was not there because of, you know, the actions of those who came to the rescue of uh, the co-captain. You know, I think that there's a, a, a level based on what I saw of, um, you know, appreciation for people stepping in and doing what was right and helping out someone that's a coworker uh, and helping out someone that uh, was totally, you know, just being mistreated and being done wrong. And so, you know, it, that that's my uh, very early initial tape, being able to, to see some of the things that have been written and, and created uh, on via social media but I don't think that we hold Montgomery to uh, this type of situation any more than we hold any other city where uh, something like this happens. Uh, and, you know, you on social media, you, you see it every uh, weekend, whether it's in Las Vegas or whether it's in, uh, you know, Miami, uh, places where people are partying and, you know, having some alcohol, maybe inebriated, maybe drunk. Um, and then, you know, bad things happen. So. Um, and that's not to say it happens in big cities. It happens in mid-sized cities and small cities as well. Um, but I don't think Montgomery, you know, reputation took a hit. Again, I, I think that in my early uh, sense of this, there's uh, an appreciation for what uh, those crew members did to assist. Um, again, their, their co-worker and their colleague, um, who at a time of need? All right, before we uh, before I just get you out of here on this uh, last last little thing, I know you're you're currently involved in a reelection campaign, and um, you know, and as always in Montgomery, you know, things things get to be about race, and uh, but do you feel like because I, I, I the sense I'm getting from this is that this situation possibly has cooled a lot of that. Uh, that that while it looks like um, you, you know th this was a you know some race was involved in this sort of thing, um, that this situation overall maybe has has taken the life out of trying to turn the uh, the Montgomery mayoral race into an issue of race, and that maybe the the folks in the in the city can kind of come together a little bit. Or am I misreading that? Well, first, let me, let me thank you for the article that you wrote. Um, I, I thought the article about the mayor's race was dead on. Um, 
it, it touched on a, a lot of salient points that I don't think people quite under understood. And I think yeah. we're only beginning to help them understand that, and that there'll be some more educating uh, after this uh, election uh, about, you know, how all this is connected. I don't want to jump the gun, though, and say that things have cooled just because of this uh, incident that took place on the riverfront. Uh, there's there's a lot of time left in the campaign, and, and you covered these things, mm-hmm. um, these type of campaigns for a long time. And so, you know, every day is, is its own cinema. So you, you never know what can happen. In particular, I think when you have uh, a group that is really uh, locked in and dead set on maintaining the status quo, uh, and then a well-financed group. That's, and for them, I think the change in the city is much like the change that happened in the country. I always remind people that, you know, um, it doesn't seem that long ago for me, but it was 15 years ago when President Obama was elected. You know, Alabama gave that president um, the second lowest amount of votes from uh, white voters, and that's Democrat and Republican. So, you know, you have to be cognizant of race uh, anytime you're talking about politics in Alabama. Uh, it's, It's not the elephant in the room. It is the room. And... You know, it's just something that is is there. Mm-hmm. So while this incident, I think, put a temporary pause on maybe some of the uh, words, actions, or deeds that may have been uh, may have been planned, uh, I'm not naive enough to think that uh, with about what, 12 days left or so, um, that they, there's not still enough time for uh, those same. Uh, entities to carry those things out. Because at the end of the day, uh, Josh, those those folks are about uh, power and control Mm -hmm. and their view of doing things. And I don't think there's anything that uh, they won't do to uh, maintain it and to try to take Montgomery back to a different day uh, than where we were prior to 2019. So that's just how I read it. Uh, I hope you're right. I I hope that I'm wrong, but there's a lot of time left uh, in this campaign for those folks to really see what to see how much they care about the city and how much they care about the image and perception uh, of Montgomery. Or for them, is it just about raw power and uh, achieving that, you know, any way that they they have to maintain it? Mayor, before you before you go, I just I have to ask this. Hey, David, I'm going to start calling you. You reverend. Uh, you, you, you said last question about two times ago. You, 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 you right. were my pastor. You were well, past the plate three times, man. Come on. <laughs> my my and, granddaddy. Just because my you granddad- stay in closing. <laughs> Go ahead. My granddaddy was bishop, so I, I oh, guess that's see, where I, I get know. it from. Right. You, you're skilled in the art. You're skilled in the art of this. <laughs> I the you said that uh, what you just said was so poignant to me that race is it it is it's not just a conversation in the room it is the room you know all three of us nodded our or, or me and Josh both nodded our heads in agreement immediately with that but you know there are a lot of people that would push back on that and I think you should explain a little bit why you say that I mean I I got it immediately Josh gets it but but why do you say that? Yeah. 
Well, I, you know, I have to use myself as an example. Uh, I, I mean, I first, I started hearing about Montgomery getting a black mayor when I was in high school in the 90s. Uh, that didn't happen to 2019 and myself. I mean, there, there were, you know, a lot of people who could have been the, the, the first uh, black mayor probably, you know, should have been uh, prior to me. It, you know, Richard Arrington became the first black mayor of a major city in Alabama when he was elected in Birmingham in 1979. Uh, I think that's important because I was only six years behind Maynard Jackson in Atlanta in 1973, yet Montgomery, you know, had been playing by a different set of rules for uh, a long time. And I think, you know, we consider politics uh, in this state, there has, there has not even been on the Republican side a real interest in putting forth uh, candidates like a South Carolina, whether you have a Nikki Haley or Tim Scott. Um, you know, and they've had others uh, that there hasn't really been an interest there in being serious uh, about representation, right? And I know this from Black Republicans, and I'm speaking as a Democrat. So, you know, there's has to be that reality. When you take out, you know, districts uh, politically, you don't see very many uh, Black elected officials that aren't represented by majority. Black electorate. Now, I think there's one House member now uh, in the state house that 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 is. But um, you know, judicial races, um, school board races, statewide races, you don't you don't see a lot there. And I think it's it's you know important for us to just be real about that. And when we think about Montgomery and what we've done in four years throughout through a pandemic you know, through the George Floyd protests and how we have come out financially, uh, the city's best shape in 30 plus years, economic growth, um, well ahead of, of Montgomery's past, we were the state jobs leader. I say these things because these were things that people whispered about for years, if not decades. This is what would happen if you get a black mayor, right? You won't be able to attract jobs when in fact we attracted more jobs, more economic investment than the city ever had in its 203 year history. Um, so it is there, even when we think about how the legislature responded to a Supreme Court order, a conservative United States Supreme Court to create a second congressional district. Um, it's there because of how the legislature has tried to gut the progress of the civil rights movement at the state level around voting rights, creating, um, monsters where there aren't any around who can vote early and why they can and voter fraud this and voter claim that. So it is always there in the race again for, uh, for power certainly, but also to minimize uh, the impact that black voters uh, have had, you know, first um, during reconstruction, when they, the first um, black elected officials, you know, came to, to, to power in the state. And then we saw Jim Crow for decades. And then only the civil rights movement, uh, and then the, obviously the signing of the Voting Rights Act, you know, fully changed that. So for people who may not understand, you know, why I say race is the room, is because it, it dominates everything from the federal, state, um, and local level. And you just have to know that and you have to try to navigate uh, those things uh, regardless if you're the, the biggest city in the state like Birmingham or if you're uh, the capital city in the state like Montgomery, 
when you're trying to do things, you just have to know that that's a major factor in everything that you do. Hey, look, I'm going to give you the last thing and then I'll, I'll be done. You think about the fact that we wanted to pass a property tax in 2020 to increase funding for our schools, 95% of which black students. And there was a sunset clause put on that tax after a three-year delay, right? That was done by legislators in Pike Road, Republican legislators in Pike Road, who did not want Montgomery to have more funding for education, yet they are the same ones who lament the crime and job growth and everything else that is fueled by great public education. Uh, even the presence of the United States Air Force dependent on public education, which had never been voted on successfully to be funded prior to my coming in and, and leading that initiative. Now, when their community did in Pike Road, different racial dynamics, no sunset bill, no sunset clause in the bill, and no delayed wait on when the funds would be available to them. Soon as they passed it, the next uh, fiscal year, those taxes went up and the school system started receiving those funds. So when people you know, know that there's a dual system of how things play out when it's black and, and it's white, you can't get away from that. You can't escape it. And we just have to uh, acknowledge and try our very best to navigate our way through it. That's, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're preaching to some guys who've done a lot of preaching on the same topics. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I hope that, no, I, I know you're not preaching to us. I know you're preaching to everybody and, and we all trying to, to do the, uh, to try to educate people on what's really going on. Cause I, I've written a lot about that Pike road deal and it's such a, a, uh. a stark juxtaposition of, of, of race and class and the way people think about things. And, and it was, it's such an absurd fight, uh, to begin with. And, uh, but listen, we wish you well. You have done a, in my mind, to me, you've done a, yeah. a fantastic job uh, of overcoming all those things that everybody said you'd never be able to do mm-hmm. uh, as a black mayor in Montgomery. Uh, and it's, and it proven once and for all that they were just full of it. And, uh, and so I hope uh, that you carry on from this and it's a, it's a good bump and, uh, and, and you, you can get, uh, get through reelection and, and keep doing what you're doing. No, I appreciate it. Th- thanks again, again for for the article. Thanks for the invitation on, on the on the podcast as well. Uh, it's timely and and it, it's it's important for us to share what's happening now and what may be happening. Look, if if circumstances change and we need to check back in, don't hesitate to reach out and uh, we'll we'll give you the the newest uh, and latest updates uh, that that we have and how we plan to move forward as as a city and a community. All right, we'll do it. Thank you. That is uh, as Mayor Stephen Reed, uh, Mayor of Montgomery, is. Uh, He's, he's always nice to to join us, and uh, and really, he's done a fantastic job in my mind. I know that there are people in Montgomery who criticize him, and I think I know why they criticize him. Uh, but you know, that's uh, you know, we we all have our feelings, I guess. But all right, we're gonna slide out. We'll come back. We're gonna get in uh, Representative Prince uh, Chestnut uh, to talk about redistricting and uh, see where see where the maps may be falling. We'll be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening 
and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. All righty, welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week, Josh Moon, David Person. And we are happy now to have Representative Prince Chestnut on with us. Uh, he's uh, he's going to do his best uh, to dumb down this redistricting thing uh, because he's a smart fella. And, uh, and you know, as, as, as we mentioned before we came on here, he's uh, had some uh, people request that he stop using such big words. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that's, listen. Uh, we're, this is the perfect place to not use big words. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll do our best. If we don't understand some of the big words, then we'll, we'll ask. But I, this is a complex issue, and it, it sometimes requires uh, people to you know smart people to to work through the process. And uh, Representative, we, we really appreciate you coming on and spending a little bit of time with us. Yes, sir. Uh, just thank you guys for having me. Uh, this is a very important issue. Well, let's uh, so let's get into it. Just uh, we'll, and we'll we'll go broad and and then maybe try to try to narrow it as we go because um, uh, we we do have a, a court date coming up on in in four days from when we're recording this. So I guess technically three days from when the podcast is going to actually drop. Uh, so that would be uh, that's Monday, right? Monday is the the, the day we do this. Yes, uh, and so um, and so Monday, uh, we're going to have a, a very important federal court date in which the hearing is going to be held over Alabama's newest congressional maps. And I guess from the point of view of Democrats uh, right now, where where do things stand? What are the problems with the maps? And I mean, I, and I know that's a very very broad question, so you, you don't have to you know just go through you know thirty minutes of, of anything. But overall, what what are the problems that we have with the maps? Okay, so um, first, let's 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 kind of go back to the Supreme Court case. The case, uh, which the the opinion was written by Chief Justice John Roberts, and um, it was made pretty clear that the Supreme Court's not willing to overturn forty years of precedent to accommodate Alabama and do away with section two of the voting rights act. Right. So, so that, that's, that's the foundation right there. Right. But they were willing um, to overturn 30 years for the holder deci- or the Shelby they, they holder decision, but, but not 40, 40 is a step too far. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a very yeah. good point. Um, but that was, um, you know, that, that was, that was part of their ruling. And they looked at everything and, and, and I won't say this too, before we, even went to the Supreme Court, the um, the federal judges at the district court level took a look at this and they they went through all of this evidence and time and time again, that it was just overwhelming uh, that black people, black voters in particular, would not be able to select a candidate of their choice if you didn't have this federal court intervention, right? If, if it, it's, it's, it's just clear. Um, even the experts for the state of Alabama conceded the fact that when blacks prefer a candidate, that candidate has a slim to zero chance of getting elected mm-hmm. uh, statewide or um, 
in, in within certain regions. It's just it's it's just not. We've seen it time and time and time again. And, and, and Repres- so, Representative yeah. Chestnut, I just want to interject something here because I think that's a very salient and crucial point. What what I what I think people should recognize is that you're saying when black people prefer a candidate, whether that candidate is white or black, it doesn't matter. Right? That's correct. Yeah, so this That's is correct. not so this is not about black people necessarily trying to elect a black person. This is about black people trying to elect whoever the candidate is of their cho- of their choosing. That's correct, because um, and I don't know if you guys follow some of our discussion and debate on the House floor. But one of the things that I brought up in my closing argument was that um, Philip Ansler, who's Jewish and um, Neil Rafferty, who's who's white and lives in Birmingham, uh, they live in predominantly black districts. And yet black people looked at those two white guys and said, these guys represent our interests. And so we're voting for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I tell you what, um, what, what bothers me the most and what should bother everybody, Republican, Democrat, white, black, conservative, liberal, whatever, is um, that some of the comments that were made this past weekend at the uh, Republican Party uh, meeting in Montgomery in which uh, some folks from the, the national level were there and uh, and they talked about this redistricting case. And they talked about it in terms of the future of the Republican Party. And they talked about other states and how this decision was going to affect other states. And some of the folks from Alabama got on stage and, and talked, and they said a lot of quiet parts out loud. Um, and they talked about how this was going to prevent them, uh, if this goes forward, uh, it's going to prevent them from being able to win races. How are they ever going to win races in Louisiana or Texas, you know, with big Hispanic populations, big black populations in those and growing? Um, and how are, you know, how are they going to win in Alabama with this? And all throughout, as I was reading these things, the only thing I could think of was you're supposed to represent the damn voters. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. This is a representative <laughs> government. If you're not if you're not representing the people, then they vote you out of office. That's how it works. Well, I mean, you can't change the the rules of voting just because you're unwilling to change your policies and and the way that you want to go about it. I mean, so am I am I am I losing my mind? Are they are they saying things that they shouldn't be saying? Um, no, you're you're not losing your mind. But I I think that there's a certain group of folks who have lost their mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we you're you're absolutely right. People like we get elected. Those of us who, who who are in elected office to represent the people who live in our district, period. It doesn't matter, you know, who they are. Like I represent people who don't agree with me politically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I will represent them just as hard as I represent the people who agree with me. Because that's part of our duty. That's part of our job. That's our oath, right? Um, as long as I'm upholding, you're supporting and upholding the laws of the United States and the state of Alabama, then, you know, doing anything within those parameters that's ethical and moral and justified, we do it. And mm-hmm. so I just think a, a strategy 
of just alienating half of the voters and um, and gerrymandering districts, which uh, I, I liked one of the things that one of my colleagues said uh, when, when he was on the mic, uh, Chris England, he said, you guys are masters and experts at gerrymandering. So you really know it when you see it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, some of the comments. I, I mean, there's, let me just read what Steve Marshall said. Let's make it clear. We elect a legislature to reflect the values of the people that they represent. And I don't think anybody in this room wanted this legislature to adopt two districts that were going to guarantee that two Democrats would be elected. Wow. They're not representing the room. They're representing all of the people. I mean, it just That's right. it, it's it's like it it, it, boy, it makes your your head want to explode when you hear these arguments, this justification, this childlike justification for why they're trying to rig this game, and they say it right out loud in front of everybody that this is what they're going to do, and everybody just kind of goes along with it, and then we on the backside of this continue to wonder why our our legislature is so screwed up and why everybody keeps going to jail. Wow, wow, that is. That that that's that's crazy. And when I'm I'm gonna throw out some some numbers to you real quick. Okay. Um, presidential election, Eisenhower, the guy received forty percent of the black vote. Eisenhower's not he wasn't a liberal, uh, but he obviously there were a few things that he did to let. Uh, black people know that I'm not going to hurt you. Uh, I'm going to work for the whole country. Uh, you haven't seen that that number since then. I think I think Nixon received 15 percent. Hmm. If they're not doing things to alienate and to attack or make it hard just to walk around in this in, in this skin. Who's to say that black people will just continue to just vote Democrat? But if the Democrat Party is the only party that's actually trying to listen, mm -hmm. then that's going to be the party that black people are going to support. You know, like, yes, yeah, I, yeah. so I, I don't I don't yeah. understand this thing like, you know, they, they, they you know, like I, I have a white friend who's a lawyer. And he told me um, he told me about maybe four years ago, he says. Democrat is like the new word for black. And I said, what? I said, Come again? And he said, yes, it's, it's the new word for black. He said, he said, he said, you know, he told me that a lot of his friends, his white friends say, you know, that guy's a, and then they whisper, Democrat. <laughs> and so he started, this is what? And so, you know, so I, I thought, yeah, this was five years ago. And I was just like, man, this is the craziest thing. And, you know, and um, he said, yeah, I'm just telling you, man, that's what that's the new that's the new thing. And, mm -hmm. um, and I guess it is because I've seen the way I mean, they're literally saying that, you know, instead of just because why are you assuming that it's that black equals Democrat? It's probably because you alienated. You know, one party is just completely alienated black people and use us as a punching bag to get yeah. votes. 
It's kind of villains like, to me. Yeah, they painted they painted black people as villains, honestly, in this game. It, That's what they've done. And it, it's it's like it's to me it's like, and I think Josh, I think I've used this analogy before. It's almost like what the church has done to LGBTQ people. The church rails against has historically railed against LGBTQ people, uh, told them they're going to hell and they're sinners and just. I mean, not no nuanced messaging, no consideration for no sympathy or empathy for the what it's like to be an LGBTQ person. Just mm-hmm. all all attack, 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 and then they turn around and say, "But we want you to join the church." <laughs> it's wow. that kind of insanity that I see with the Republican Party. You know, they they embrace all of these these policy positions that are slaps in the face to black people. They embrace candidates who are overt racists like Trump. And then they expect black people to come flocking in droves. Now you're always going to have some black people who will sympathize with uh, the Republican party for one reason or another. Uh, some may be legitimate reasons, and some may be just, um, you know, kind of like the character in um, uh, what's Django? The Quentin, Django in the, the Quentin Tarantino movie Django, yeah. the Sam Jackson character. Some may just be that, which is sort of a, I think, a sickness, really. And I think there are black people that fall into that category. In fact, Reverend. Uh, uh, Reverend Jerry, I think he calls him, I think his name is Jerry Bond or something out in California. He's one mm-hmm. of those, you know, who's just, he's, he's, um, he's disturbingly sycophantic when it comes to white supremacy. It's, it's just unlike anything I've ever seen. But, um, but by and large, you know, most black people are going to be like, yo, if you're not going to support policies and positions that are going to help cultivate life and productivity and progress for us, then why would I want to join your party? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that every, I think that if, well, unfortunately we only have two political parts, but I I just think that um, a political party should clearly um, decide like, okay, if we're trying to court a certain group of people, Let's go and talk to those folks and find out what is what it is that they want, what will make their lives better. Um, what would they like to see? I mean, that's simple. Like when I um, when I ran for office the very first time, as well as I did it the second time uh, when I had to run for reelection, too. But what I did both times was I went out and I literally started asking people on an individual basis Hey, what is it that you would like to see um, from your representative? And I let them kind of dictate what my platform would be. So whenever you see my platform is dictated by the people that are in my district. Yeah. So one one, one other thing, uh, Representative. And and I think I think the failure here is maybe belongs to all of us, Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals, blacks and whites. We have failed to uh, to educate people about the history. So 
people don't, a lot of people don't realize that at one point in time, black people were Republicans. By Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? as a, yeah. As a matter of fact, that was um, so. Uh, and this is one of the things I said on the floor. I, I talked about the fact that it had been 115 years since we had a um, a black congressperson um, uh, when Earl Hilliard took office. Mm-hmm. It, it, it literally had been 115 years between the last black congressman and him. And of course, that happened in that little short time period called Reconstruction. Exactly. Right? And and you had uh, you had three black congressmen who, who'd run under as radical Republicans um, at that time. And uh, two of them were from Selma. I think uh, one guy was like from up there. And the, I think the Sheffield area was James C. Rapier. The two guys from Selma were um, Benjamin Sterling Turner and um, Jeremiah Harrelson. And they, you know, they, they got there off of the strength of uh, the North coming down to um, to help make things tolerable for black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but then, of course, you know, the, the, the Hayes Tilden compromise and um, and then we went through 100 and something years in the in the in, in the desert. And um, but it took a federal court in 90 in what, 92, I think, to step in and say, no, you've got to have a black district, uh, mm-hmm. a majority black district. And and as a result of that, we ended up uh, getting Earl Hilliard and then subsequently Arthur Davis and now um, uh, Congresswoman Terry Sewell. Uh, and with the history of Alabama, the tortured voting history of Alabama, it doesn't appear that you will ever get a second black congressional district if the federal courts don't step in. And the Supreme Court just kind of, I mean, they literally said, hey, look, um, you need to come up with a second Alabama legislature, come up with a second majority minority district or something close to it. Right. And when you talk to these experts, and these mappers and everything, they it's and you have to look at like the concentrations of of, of where people live. And if mm-hmm. you look at if you go take a map, that's one of the things that I use too to for illustrative purposes. I used to map of Alabama and I show the concentrations of black folks in Alabama and the black belt. It's pretty much like heavy and like, that's where you see the dense black population. The Black Belt, Birmingham, uh, I mean, Birmingham was part of the migration. People went up there to go work, uh, uh, you know, railroad, steel mills, et cetera. Uh, and then, you know, the Black Belt, it, it comes all the way from like the Mississippi line all the way across, goes all the way over there to Macon County, um, Macon and Russell. And, uh, and then Northern Mobile, right? And uh, there was a lot of argument about, I don't know if y'all remember, community of interest. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the Republicans tried to do was to try to say that the Gulf Coast was a community of interest. And that 
Yeah, I mean, and the Gulf Coast is so diverse depending on where you are. I mean, can, right. can anybody reasonably say that Baldwin County has anything in common with Northern Mobile County? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so diverse. I mean, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's not just black and white. It's, you know, it's uh, what the Cajuns, uh, you know, the, it's, I mean, it's, it's a whole group, a whole different groups of people that are there. Yeah. And they tried to, I mean, the Supreme court just summarily rejected those arguments and said like one of the most important things here was to keep the black belt, right. To keep mm-hmm. it. Cause it was, uh, it's cohesive. It's uh, it's compact. You know, the black population and the black belt is compact. And um, and you look at the county from county to county, it's contiguous. Mm-hmm. Right. There is a connection. Uh, and there even I mean, you can you can probably go anywhere in the black belt and you will see some of the same demographics. You see some of the same l- lack of access to health care. You see. Uh, you know, the same types of folks who are descendants of sharecroppers, right? And um and, and people who've had to work out in the field in the antebellum south. Like there is a complete connection there. And then when you look at Mobile, you look at Africa Town, and you look at, you know, with with with, with Kudjo Lewis and that connection, there's just that is it that is part of that community of interest. And that was one of the things that we wanted to drive home, which like the Supreme Court already said that, but we wanted mm-hmm. to just really make it clear um, as we were um, developing. And, and as you, you, you saw, there were several folks, I think uh, Representative Drummond, uh, she talked about, like her folks are, are about 20 miles from, from where I live. You know, that's, that's right. where most of her folks are from. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this this thing of somehow the black belt isn't a community of interest or it needs to be cracked up in order to rationalize whatever they were trying to do. It just it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. And, well, it only um, makes sense if you're trying to do one thing, you know, and uh, I think we all know what that one thing is that they're trying to do. And uh, but uh, so when we get you out of here on this, because I know we've already kept you for a while, uh, but. Looking at Monday, looking at the federal court stuff that's that's going to go. What what do you think the outcome of this is going to be? What do you think the courts are going to say? What do you think is going to be the the ultimate outcome of all of this? I think the ultimate outcome is that we're we're most likely looking at getting a um, someone to uh, the court's going to determine who's going to draw the map, and I believe that the mapper. You know, one thing that the mapper could do is just simply take one of the maps that was already approved that the Supreme Court looked at and said this this map. I think it was four different maps that they all said were fine, Mm -hmm. that they would have they would pass constitutional muster. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the mapper is going to have something along the lines of one of those four maps. And I believe you're going to see where one district is probably uh, the seventh district is probably going to drop down somewhere in the 52, 53 percent range. And I think you're going to see that second one. I would give it a range. It could possibly be 
47%, it possibly up to 51%. I mm-hmm. think that's what you're going to see. Well, I certainly hope so. And I hope that there is at least some fairness introduced into this. And, you know, and, and once once that fairness is introduced, then we can talk about uh, getting this uh, Democratic Party uh, <laughs> back to some functioning level <laughs> in which we can win uh, both of these races. I think Terry Sewell will do fine because I think she has proven herself as a very effective lawmaker. Uh, and I think at this point in time, people on both sides of the aisle really like her a lot. Uh, and, and I think there, there would be some options for someone like that over in that second district as well. But I think we got to we got to do some work there. But listen, uh, Representative Chestnut, thank you for all of this work. I know yes, you have done you. a tremendous amount of work on this and studying it and um, and and, and knowing the history of, of the state and the surrounding areas and then just knowing all of this, all of these multi-syllable words uh, in which we can go ahead and, uh, and get this thing done is, is I mean, it's, it's a job in and of itself. And thank you for all that and for spending a few minutes here with us today. Yes, yes. Thank, thank you for having me on here. I, I think it's uh, what you guys do is very important, educating the public um, and, you know, Alabama. I, I, I wish we could be in the news for something good, but, um, you know, we're, we're in the news nonetheless. And I, I, I think somebody said, good, you know, all publicity is good publicity. I'm not sure it is, but, uh, but, but, but if it, if the publicity brings about positive change, then it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and hopefully that's what we're, we're well on our way to that. And, and, and listen, I know that you have played a big part in it and, um, and, and I think y'all should be proud of the work that you've done uh, to this point. And, and hopefully uh, we can, we can make a big change for the state and for the future. And, uh, and uh, congrats uh, if, if that comes to, uh, to fruition, congrats on that. And, but no matter what, thank you for all that you've done and for, and for coming on with us. Yeah. And, and, and let me say this, um, what, when I told you about the percentages, that's an educated guess, right? That sure. that's I've I've been um, I've actually been uh, communicating with uh, a really sharp uh, guy on the national scene. He's probably one of the most um, insightful uh, voting rights lawyers uh, in the nation, and. Um, and that's just, you know, from my conversations with him, my reading of, of the case. Now, you know, somebody could do something really crazy and off the beaten path and everything. But I'm saying based on everything that that the law says and what the evidence mm-hmm. says, um, it should fall into those parameters that I spoke of. Um, right. If they don't, then I think something else is at, at play. But um, <laughs> hopefully it's not. But uh, no, we understand. We understand. But listen, we're going to hold you to those numbers. If it doesn't fall right in between those numbers, we're calling you back and we're going to be very angry. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it, we expect you to know all of this and to be perfect right on the money. But no, I, honestly, we, I, we we know. And, and, and at this point in time. I've come to expect the crazy. So, you know, I, if it if it comes down and it's just within the lines, like you say, uh, then uh, I, I consider that to be a big win for everybody. Uh, but thank you, uh, Representative Chestnut. Uh, we will be sure to check back in with you as soon as uh, this uh, as we go along through the process with this stuff and, and see for updates and uh, and, and check on where, where the, what the status is of the uh, of this case. Thank you, sir. OK, thank you. Take care. All right. Bye bye. 
All right. That's um, Prince Chestnut. Listen, the, the guy, he knows. He knows stuff. A lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. That's, very well versed. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, when he was rattling off the guys who were running in 1900, I mean, or 1890, I mean, so I was like, really? All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's a, that's an educated man right there. Um, Clearly. I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and, and we'll, we'll wrap up with, uh, with Right Wing Nut um, and, uh, and just kind of close it out from here. But uh, so, Right Wing Nut, this was, David had a great right wing nut this week. Tell, tell everybody who the right wing nut is. The uh, the CEOs of Alabama, mm. and uh, the reason I nominated them for right wing nut is that um, and this is on the Alabama Political Reporter uh, website. That's AL a great Reporter. website, com. by the way. It's a great, yeah, great website. website. We we know a little bit something about that website. We have a report here that was written by Patrick Darrington, our own Patrick Darrington, that uh, is headlined that Alabama CEOs make 226 times more Mm. than the average Alabama worker. Mm. That when I read that headline and then read the report, I thought, my God, this is this is the reason why. This state struggles, or at least it's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons why this state struggles so much and has uh and has so many people who are impoverished or who are uh dealing with health issues and other social economic woes. Yeah. So what that means, Josh, is is that the average pay for the Standard & Poor's 500 CEO in Alabama is $12.8 million. <laughs> but the average worker pay is 57, roughly $57,000. Uh, $57, hmm. Now think about that That's a big spread. It's a big spread. You want me to tell you what that me. means? You want me to tell you what all that means? What that means mean? that's your inflation. That's your inflation, ah, okay? That's what yeah. that's what people when when you when it's Joe Biden and he did that on the on the little gas sticker and all that you know that you see with the people oh I did that you know those little mm-hmm. stickers you see on gas pumps and mm-hmm. people blaming Biden for inflation or blaming you know whatever Democratic policy for inflation mm-hmm. that's your inflation mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. that corporate greed and CEO greed. That's your inflation. That's what's driven your prices up. That's the reason why you can't afford stuff. That's the reason why a restaurant meal cost you three times what it used to cost you just two or three years ago right now. Okay? That's that's the inflation right there. And let me tell you, the other day, I saw this group of people berating uh, the UPS workers mm-hmm. over their demands, you know, because they were going to go on strike, and it was going to cripple uh, the, the the country for the most part. Had, had they actually gone on strike and done this? But the the deal they've worked out uh, will end up paying you know the average driver uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred seventy thousand dollars at mm-hmm. the end of the at the end of this contract that they've just negotiated. Okay, mm-hmm. and people were losing their minds over the fact that a driver for UPS might make one hundred seventy thousand dollars. Let me tell you something. Do you know how a union works? A union, the pay that is that is generated for the people that are in the union is a percentage of the profits. Okay? It's right. an agreed upon percentage of the profits. So the only way that these people would make this amount of money is if the UPS profits were so freaking enormous that they could be that they're still gonna make this. Is the CEO gonna lose any pay? 
No. Nope. The executives aren't losing any pay. Nope. No. Their pay is just not going to increase at the substantial levels that they have been increasing. That's right. Okay? That's right. And, and, and when you think about the profitability of a company, yeah. are you going to sit here and tell me that the people who actually do the work on the ground, who fundamentally are responsible for making mm-hmm. the, the company profitable, because if they don't do their jobs well, right. then the company's not going to get sales and be able to provide no. services and make money. You're telling me they shouldn't share in the profitability of the company? Right. Right. And listen, there's and there's a two way street here on this. OK, mm-hmm. I don't discount what CEOs do. Right. I know that they have a hard job. Right. I know that oftentimes they're very smart men and women who have worked their way up uh, from different levels and that they have they have uh, attributes uh, and leadership attributes that are very important to the success of a company. I think Tim Cook is probably an amazing, amazing person. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know that he's necessarily worth what Apple's paying him, but I think he, you know, he could be. Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, there's no reason why his pay can't be a certain percentage of the profits and the employees shouldn't have a certain acceptable percentage of the profits exactly. out of this company. Exactly. It's, it, and it boggles my mind to hear dudes working on a roof somewhere, belittling a UPS driver. What are you talking about? Go create a roofers union, you dummies. Well, I mean, there's somebody pocketing your money right now, okay? And it's it just drives me insane. For, to, it, it, there's a, there's a great cartoon that I have that I've seen the other day, and it is there's three people sitting at a table. There's a CEO. There's a regular worker. And then there's a migrant mm. over here. Mm. And the CEO has this big pile of money in front of him. The, the, the regular worker has this small pile of money. And the migrant has an even smaller pile. And the CEO in the caption below says, be careful, friend. He's trying to take your money. <laughs> and, and I Brilliant. mean, it's perfect. It's Brilliant. a perfect. I mean, it's a perfect example of what we're dealing with in, in America with with workers right now, where they have somehow or another figured out how to turn average workers against each other and have them belittle each other instead of going after the guy who's. I mean, come on, man. Is he is he a smart dude? Of course he is. But two hundred twenty six times what you're making. Come on. You yeah. know better than that. Yeah. You know that guy ain't worth that much. There you Just go. Just driving me nuts. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, I think this has been a good show. Yeah. That's um, two great uh, conversations. Yeah. 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 Two guests. It really makes it to where we don't say a whole lot, which I, I think people like. So um, we'll see. Yeah. Until <laughs> right. next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace. <laughs>